Hello listeners, this is Matt from Uncanny Treks, and I want to take a moment to tell you about our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. On our Patreon, we offer lots of exclusive content in multiple tiers, including access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, X-Men 92 vs. Young Justice. On this podcast, we follow the same format as B5 vs. DS9, but with an entirely new focus on reliving the nostalgia of 90s X-Men animated series and comparing it to the fast-paced action of Young Justice. Both of these animated series have recently been renewed for new seasons, so we felt it was a great time to return to these two comic book-based properties. If you're interested in subscribing, please visit us at patreon.com slash uncannytreks, and you can always reach out to us on Twitter at uncannytreks. Enjoy the show, and as always... Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine, the galaxy's greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. We are part of Uncanny Tracks. I am Bob from Cascadia. That is Matt from the Southland. How you doing tonight, Matt? Uh, just uh, getting over the grogginess of watching that DS9 episode last night, Bob. Uh-huh. So you're saying uh, your COVID fog has been uh, replaced with Shakara fog. Is that right? Basically, yes. That, that was uh, quite a boring episode. <laughs> Did it uh, take your uh, sense of uh, smell, your sense of taste? No. Well, I mean, it, it just took away my uh, enjoyment of DS9 for just a little bit. Just a little bit. This is one of those episodes... Yeah, lost a little bit. This is one of those episodes we probably would have skipped uh, first two seasons. Well, I, I we wouldn't have because... I mean, Shakar is not that important, but he does show up a few times more. And it is like important for Bajoran politics, which is kind of ironic given how boring it is. Yeah, it's true. But this also seems like a sequel to the uh, or one of our Great Lost episodes, Bob, which we'll get into in a minute. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I mean, I'm glad we didn't lose this one or we won't lose this one because, I mean, the long twilight struggle is vital. We would have to re-record for that. But uh, yeah, I don't think we would re-record for Shakar. I agree. All right, but uh, before we can uh, whine and complain and mew like children about Shakar, we've got to talk about the long twilight struggle. That's uh, Babylon 5, Season 2, Episode 20, which originally aired on the 18th of October, 1995. And uh, while we're on the subject, the thing we're whining and crying and mewing about Shakar is DS9, Episode uh, 24, Season 3, which originally aired on the 22nd of May, 1995. So in the A-plot of Long Twilight Struggle, Warleader Justin of the Narn and Lord Rifa of the Centauri both plot bold moves to change the course of the war over the respective misgivings of their juniors, Jakar and Malari. 
Then in the B-plot, Drawl, the new caretaker of the Great Machine on the planet underneath Babylon 5, summons Sheridan and Delenn for a meeting. All right, so at the beginning of this episode, Bob, did you think Delenn may have been talking to Sinclair when they did that little, like, uh, it just it was just focused on Delenn, and then someone's like, you know, hello, old friend, or whatever the hell she, I don't remember what he said specifically, but it. Uh, no, both because I think when I was first watching this, I had already kind of checked to see like when Sheridan would show back up. So I knew. And then also I recognized his annoying voice. Yeah. Well, that's Sinclair. Yes, I agree. No, no, not Sinclair's annoying voice. Drawl's annoying voice. Oh, Drawl's annoying voice. Gotcha. All right. So this... I don't think Sinclair has an annoying voice. Well, I didn't think so either, Bob. I was like, I was about to call you out on that one. Yeah, Delin, uh, Draw has that like uh, Wizard of Oz type thing going. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it Draw's pretty awful. I I, <laughs> I really don't like Draw. Which strangely enough, like he show he shows up in Sheridan's uh, a, not apartment, I guess you would say, but in his room quarters. In his quarters, yes. Uh, you know, while Sheridan's taking a shower. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you were apparently going to confront me about whether I thought there was queer subtext to this, and I would just say no, because Drawl is unfuckable, so there can't be subtext <laughs> of any sort. I was just waiting to hear you talk about queer subtext, because with Drawl, no, no, there's one scene, Bob, Drawl offers to return later, instead of right then, when Sheridan finishes dressing, but Sheridan says no. And I was like, hmm, there's got to be Sheridan's some Sheridan's not a there. modest man, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not a mo- not a modest man. Um, did you enjoy the dope ass uh, world music jams Sheridan was cranking before Drawl showed up? Yeah, he's like jamming in the shower. Apparently, I don't know if that was like. Uh... Why do they have that music there? That music didn't fit. Honestly, the music in this whole episode seemed very different to me. Like maybe they had a different composer or something going on. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good point. I I was mostly fixated just on the sick jams that Sheridan was playing, uh, which I, I did not enjoy for the record. But um, now that you mention it, yeah, I think the the music like during the Battle of uh, Narn was a uh, pretty pretty different, I think, than what we usually see from the show. Yeah, it didn't okay. Was he supposed to actually be listening to this music in the shower, or was that just the music we were supposed to be hearing in the show? I. I think he was listening to it because some people do listen to music in the shower and, you know, it was like he was having trouble hearing the calm alert go off or whatever. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That makes sense then. Um, all right. So let's see. I guess to move on to stuff that actually uh, is interesting and useful. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we get to meet Jakar's uncle, uh, Justin, who's a senior Narn war leader, um, He's played by W. Morgan Shepard, who's got a long kind of character actor career, including several Star Trek roles. Probably most prominently, he's the Klingon Warden in Star Trek VI. Um, do you have any thoughts about Justin this time, Matt? Uh, I mean, he plays a Norn kind of like he plays a Klingon. They're very similar, <laughs> but it, yeah. it was great, yeah. Yeah, he, he gets a certain amount of gruffness uh, through despite the makeup, which is no easy feat. No, no not at all. Yeah, and then I also, like, you know, we've met Lord Rifa several times already, but I, I just really enjoyed how smarmy Lord Rifa was this uh, episode. It was kind of nice to see him, like, sitting in the Emperor's throne while the Emperor was out doing stuff and just, you know, really enjoying his moment of uh, about-to-be greatest victory. Yeah, he's he's kind of a fool of himself at this point, but, you know, maybe it's deserved. Maybe he... Is he going to be the next Emperor, you think, Bob, or am I at the wrong... 
um, you know, I mean, it's a, he certainly seems to want it, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, but, I mean, we know that Malari, they, in, the, in all yeah. the, flat, not the flashbacks, but in all the, uh, what do you call prophecies and things, it looks like he's going to be the emperor. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe, maybe Cartagia is going to have a long and successful reign. We don't know. Could be. Could be. You know, he's going to bring justice to Narn. He's going to deal with them fairly. I mean, all, that could all happen. And then Malari's going to come in and fuck it all up. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's one direction the show could go. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, so the, the kind of horrific plan that the Centauri have for the Narn is to use uh, weapons called mass drivers. Were you, was that kind of clear to you what they were talking about? There's a lot of kind of hype about how it's in violation of several treaties the Centauri have signed, yada, yada, yada. I didn't understand what they were, honestly. I thought that they, like, what are they supposed to be? They're like, um, sometimes they're called electromagnetic catapults. And my understanding is, I, I think, like, we're looking at them more as a way to, like, like more effectively launch uh, spaceships into space without rockets. But the, you know, in, in some imaginings you could do stuff like if you had, if you set them up in space, you could um, launch like bits, big bits of rock, like chunks of asteroid, like at a planet, like at pretty great speed. And that would have a pretty devastating impact on the planet to, you know, have, you know, these big meteors or big chunks of asteroid being hurled by the catapult or by the mass driver to the surface. All right. So that makes like way more sense than mass drivers. I just, I mean, well, I mean, I guess that does describe it. See when I hear mass drivers, I think of like computer firmware, like the driver oh, for your yeah, computer. Yeah. So I was lost during the whole exchange. I didn't know what they were talking about, but, but then when I pictured, but then I was thinking, okay, what kind of machine would be a mass driver? And I kept picturing the uh, world engine from the first Cavill uh, Superman movie. So I uh, I didn't see that one. Um, I, I assume that's some sort of doomsday weapon that Michael Shannon has in that movie. Yeah, it's just a big ass like machine jackhammer looking thing that's like destroying the Earth. Like I, or okay, trying to re- it... uh, terraform it. Uh, okay, it's it's supposed to like transform Earth into a new Krypton or whatever. Yes. Okay. Do they specify like what needs to change to make Earth a new Krypton? Uh, no, not really, Bob. They don't come into all that. Be nice though. I mean, it just kind of seems like, I don't know, super, like, sure, sure, like, you know, wipe out the Earthlings so you can enjoy the planet. But, like, you know, it doesn't seem like you, Earth is that different from Krypton and, you know, most comics. And Superman seems to get along here fine. Why not Zod? Oh, well, he's not in charge of it, I guess. I don't know. I, I would just like to take this opportunity to say that Zack Snyder sucks um, to alienate <laughs> any, uh, any Snyder fans we have in the audience. Well, to, to go back to your point, though, you got to keep in mind, though, Superman wasn't really, like, he doesn't remember Krypton the way that Zod does, so maybe it was better if you were an adult on Krypton. And I guess, but, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. And also, like, you're going to have your superpowers anyway, unless Zod also plans to, I, I doubt he plans to transform the sun, so, like, you know, it's going to be a pretty different environment regardless. Right. Yeah. The, so there was something I thought about putting in as a C plot, but decided not to because it was only one scene. But there's a really interesting scene where Dr. Franklin passes along some intelligence about the Centauri planning to strike the Narn homeworld to Jakar. Did you think that was like uh, kind of weird or kind of uh, potentially dangerous of uh, Franklin to do? I mean, uh, it, it 
at first glance, I feel like he's only he's really only treating the Narn. So you really mm-hmm. can't blame him for sympathizing with them. You don't see a lot of, uh, cent- I mean, there's no Centauri in this clinic at this point when you're looking at who he's treating as, as being hurt by the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can understand why he's sympathizing with him, why he, why, he, why he may feel that he needs to, you know, pass that info on. But also, wasn't it the dude's dying wishes to pass that information yeah, yeah. I, at first, I thought it was kind of weird, but then I guess as the scene goes on, you, he, the, it kind of contextualizes it both with him being sympathetic because the Narn situation is pretty similar to Earth's situation late in the Minbari War. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, it turns out that it's like, was the dying request of a patient to be passed on? So in that sense, it doesn't seem as like kind of weird. But it, when he was first doing it, I was just like, oh, geez, that's kind of a violation of Earth neutrality. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So. so from that rarity of um, a really good Dr. Franklin scene to uh, the depressingly common occurrence of uh, Delin trying to master English, uh, it's it's still real bad this week. She's trying to figure out swearing this week. It's it's real bad. Uh, it's not as bad as last week, though. Well, I, I'm never, I'm never going to understand this because she spoke English before Chrysalis, so I don't get that. I guess she just didn't speak it as much, and now that she's human, partially, she feels the need to speak it a lot more. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Because, I mean, when you learn English, I mean, they will teach you idioms. That's a huge part of it. Not the idioms she's learning, obviously, but she'll teach you well, like basic ones. <laughs> not, not, the Min, not the Minbari, Matt. The Minbari are very proper, formal people. So that, that must be it. But, I mean... It's it's just awkward scenes they've been showing this last couple of weeks, which with her like turning into learning weird stuff humans do. I don't really. It's yeah, the it's 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 gonna continue. Oh, I think God. Uh, it's not great. Okay. Yeah, I haven't been it, impressed with that. Part it's of stuff story. like this that really makes me regret that they transformed to Lynn. Yeah, I mean, if they just left all that out, it wouldn't even matter. Like, it, it would not change anything, in my opinion. It it would make. There's no if value. Anything, it would there's, make the show better. Yeah. Yeah. There's no value in it. I mean, there really isn't. Like, why? Yeah. It's just funny thing. It's just funny. It's meant to be humorous, but it's not. It's what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. Real bad. Real bad attempts at comedic relief. I don't know. I also still just think it's kind of weird. Like, you know, like Star Trek had been on for years by this point. Like, you could have a romance between a human and a Minbari. Like, that wouldn't viewers would accept that. Like, it wouldn't be that big a deal. Yeah. I agree. I, I thought it was really strange, especially it wasn't like Alien Nation or whatever that show was. Like, didn't it come out in early '90s? That was all about uh, that. I think I never watched it, but I think that show was all about uh, aliens hooking up with humans. So nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> speaking back, of hooking up, yeah. Speaking of hooking up, Bob, the way the weird way that Drawl is uh, hooked up freaks me out. He almost looks like he's being like crucified. And there's like tubes coming in and out of them. That always freaks me out when I see somebody hooked to a machine like that. I don't know what it is. Well, Matt, it's uh, going to be sad when uh, we enter the metaverse and this podcast lasts forever. And you and I are both hooked up into the metaverse. Uh, still talking about Babylon 5 versus DS9 for centuries to come. That's what they're all going to. That's what we're all going to look like. We're going to look like Drawl, all like crucified up in there with stuff shooting out of us. It's gross. Yeah, yeah. He's very annoying, but I, I uh, really did enjoy um, him outing Sheridan's uh, little officer conspiracy in front of Delenn and Sheridan very unconvincingly denying it. That was that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
at one point, Drawl says that there's other people on this planet or other things or something he talks to. And then at the uh-huh. end of the end of the scene, he say he calls for Zathras, like Zathras is his like helper or something or his uh, his butler almost in a sense or something. I, I don't know how you explain <laughs> it. Is that what Zathras is like his assistant? Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll see Zathras again. Okay, but he he totally lives on that planet. He does, except for when he doesn't. Oh God. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you liked Zathras in uh, Babylon Squared, though, right? Oh, no, I, lo- I like Zathras. That's a great character. I just didn't understand, like, he's been on the planet the whole time, or if he's not. I, I don't know. I don't get it. I... You'll you'll see. You'll see. All will be revealed. Yeah. Also, I, I think it's fair to say that we're going to see a lot more of Zathras than Draw going forward, which is all to the good. That's really good news. I wasn't very convinced, yeah. too, by their, like, de-aging process. They were All they did was give that dude a sh- <laughs> He talks about how, oh, the machine has made me 30 years younger. Like, dude, you shaved your beard. That's all you did. <laughs> well, yeah. Matt, I mean, there's always an option if you want to look 30 years younger. I know. I could just shave my beard and look like a 12-year-old. That'd be great. Yeah. And get a toupee. Yeah. Well, no, because no, I want to look like a baby. Like, <laughs> like, like, a, like, like a legit infant. <laughs> no hair, nothing. Man, uh, you, you've given me a lot of uh, a lot of crap over the years, uh, and by over the years, I mean over the months that we've done this podcast <laughs> about my cat fetish. But we just come out with your baby fetish right yeah, here, yeah, right here for the listeners. That's right. Well, and it's not even a Patreon episode. Speaking of which, <laughs> if you want to watch X Men ninety two or listen to X Men ninety two versus Young Justice, Patreon dot com. Yep, hit us up there. So slash Uncanny Tracks. <laughs> So the Battle of the Nar homeworld was actually really cool. Like they, we, they, we shifted from being on the on being withdrawal to this to this battle that CG the CGI looked great, and I like how they spliced those scenes of Jakar praying over the Book of Jaquan with the actual battle taking place. I thought that was awesome, and then the scene of Malari watching the battle at the end from that ship window that was like visually stunning. Like that was really cool. Like he was watching everything, you know conspire or, or transpire, I guess is the word I want to say. Um, but I, one thing that I do want to point out in this, I'm going to, I'm going to talk more about this in the shadow watch is that we see the shadow ships and we see a change. Something we haven't seen before occur that I thought was kind of interesting, but we'll talk about that in shadow watch. Yeah. Yeah. It is an interesting, um, scene. And I think, don't they, don't they have a, that image of uh, Malari watching uh, the Battle of Narn? Either if it's not in the opening credits now, it will be in future seasons. Yeah, I think it's in future. Uh, I think it may be in future seasons. I don't think it's in the season. Okay, okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm thankfully I'm able to skip uh, intros on HBO Max. So <laughs> I think they just introduced it on uh, for older shows on Paramount Plus too. On older shows or newer shows. I th- Oh, it's, to... it's it's always it's always been there on newer shows. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, or maybe not always, but I I think for a long time. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, I I don't do it because why would I skip through the DS9 intro? It fucking rules. <laughs> but um, well, yeah, it's awesome. But I mean, after watching it for you know so many years, it's like okay, one one once a week, Matt. You can do it once a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you got to get in the right mood to take your notes for the episode. Yeah. So. We had the battle, and then it's announced that you know the Narn homeworld's been taken over by the Centauri, and this causes a huge fight to break out in the, Z- in the Zookaloo. And I just want to 
I want to challenge Twitter users, listeners, whoever. There's one Centauri who drops a martial arts kick. I don't know if you even remember this, Bob. I do, uh, I do. I need it was some, quite a kick. Yeah, I need somebody to make that a meme or a gif or something. Like, I, I've, we need to see that. So if you if you hit us up on Twitter, uh, Uncanny Treks, and make that happen. I think somebody did a meme of it in Babylon 5 spoo posting a long time ago. I'll trawl back through some of the older posts and see if I see it. I just, I just, that, that was like the most awesome part of that fight. And I just don't know how to record that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any uh, thoughts on Jakar being the most senior Narn uh, government official left alive? I mean, it's kind of weird. You think there'd be at least somebody out there uh, on another planet or something that, you know, another ambassador to somewhere. Well, it's not, it's not just that he's an ambassador. Like they, they say it a few times, like he's a member of the Kari, which is like their governing body. Right. But I'm just saying you figure there'd be somebody else that wasn't on planet at the time. I mean, it's, it's really weird that they're all on the planet except for Jakar. I mean, he, there may be others alive, but I think it's just Jakar is the most senior. Um, Although I think at some point they do say he's the only member of the Kari alive. Dang. There goes that government, <laughs> which just happened to be part of the stipulations for the terms of surrender, Bob. You know, like, what do you think about those? Uh, pretty harsh, pretty harsh. The Centauri aren't playing. No, they're not. They're uh, de- declining, uh, declining Earth request to observe trials. Uh, um, I forget what the term is, but uh, instituting civilian reprisals for any uh, any resistance against the Centauri. Brutal stuff. Yeah, it was like you have one. If you have one. Um, Narn leader who decides to have an uprising, they're going to like murder 500 other Narn or something like that. Yeah. It wasn't even an up leader. It was, I think if any, any Narn uh, kills any Centauri, then they will kill that Narn, the Narn's family uh, and 500 uh, other Narns. Dang. That's not the kind of world I want to live in. Londo. Get that. (laughs) Yeah. So we get a we get a great little speech from uh, Jakar, which is kind of like his farewell speech to the advisory council because uh, Malari has demanded that he be removed since he no longer represents a government. And you know it's really it's really well done speech, especially he has a uh, the actor playing uh, Jakar has a delivery on the line of though it takes a thousand years that I thought was pretty great. It's just the amount of emotion that comes across with all the prosthetics and the makeup is insane. Like that's one thing I have to give credit to this show for is that even though they are most a lot of these characters are covered in all kinds of stuff, you can still see the emotion in their face, which is I don't think that's an easy task for any actor to yeah 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 and certainly they you know getting like great actors like uh, W Morgan Shepard and uh, the guy playing Chikar who's Andrea something whose name escapes me but he's yeah clearly a great actor. And then, uh, you know, when Sheridan meets up with Jakar after the speech, uh, Jakar has another really good line. Of, Last time I offered some of my hand, we were at war 24 hours later, you know, which was a callback to when he was getting along with Mallory for that very short period of time. And then he made the deal with Morden, or I made it before, but, you know. And then the episode leaves off, Bob, where Sheridan finds out that there have been all these rangers on the station. And Boo. basically... There are so many of the rain. I didn't realize there were that many on the station. It's just lame. I thought there was that one dude. But yeah. there's apparently a ton of them. 
Yeah, it does seem like a, a little too many. Yeah, the Rangers, they suck, man. I, I, I don't know what else to say about it. I hate the Rangers. Okay. Uh, I, I just wasn't, that, that to me was like something they just tacked on at the end of this episode. When yeah. Was, yeah. There were so many other good things that could have, you could have just ended with Jakar. Like, you know. Yeah, you should have ended, you totally should have ended on Jakar. Like, having the Rangers in like really diffuses the climax. Although, I mean, as we've noted, Babylon 5 is a show that like, Likes to have a big climax and then likes to have a couple scenes as an epilogue. No, so it should like it would have been a nice post-credit scene. <laughs> no, no, you, you shouldn't have done it at all. And, <laughs> but if you had to do it, you should have just done it in another episode. Yeah. But no, no one should do post-credit scenes. Post-credit scenes are awful. <laughs> I like post-credit scenes. So, to each his own, Bob. So, you're going to skip through the intro of DS9, one of the best intros to show <laughs> ever, but you're going to sit through, like, 20 minutes of credits at the <laughs> end of a damn Marvel movie, most of which aren't even real, most of which are made-up names they put in there to troll you and make you wait longer, just to see, like, a dumb teaser about what's coming next that doesn't actually even tell you anything. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's usually how it rolls, yeah. Sucker. Sucker. <laughs> All right. So you get a suckers for watching boring TV. Uh, let's look at. <laughs> let's talk about DS Nine, Bob. Uh, this episode. Oh my gosh. All right. Yeah. So, so uh, wait, Burial is dead. When did that happen, Matt? How did we miss that? Yeah. So we have a. This is a, that was our second lost episode. There was a horrible audio. Something happened that destroyed the audio, and but that was actually a blessing in disguise. Because whatever error destroyed that audio made an attempt again. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the same error popped up for one of our Patreon exclusive episodes. And I was able to avoid that error this time around because I knew like I can't do this or it'll mess the audio up. So I had to go back in and mess. So I was able to I was able to avoid that horrible travesty. But unfortunately, we did lose the episode uh, Life Support, which is where Burial did die. Uh, it was not that great of an episode. And... Uh, so, but this is really a sequel to that episode. Yeah, yeah. Kira's dealing uh, with the uh, loss of Burial. Um, so, I guess to give that to give the a plot, it's um, Bejor goes full theocracy in this episode. Shakar, as Kai Wen becomes the head of the provisional government after the abrupt death of the prior head, and she sends that is Kai Wen sends Kira on an agricultural mission against several of Kira's old resistance comrades, which risk blowing up into a full scale Bajoran civil war. Yeah, it's uh, it's just doesn't even look that doesn't look that interesting on paper either. Wow. I don't know. I mean, it's it's Bajoran civil war, man. It's uh, it's important, I guess. Yeah, it could lead to a Bajoran civil war. It's you know. I don't know, but Kai Wen here. Good to see her back at least. That she's one of she's one of the better characters in DS Nine. Oh yeah, she's great. Yeah, yeah, Louise Fletcher, man, she's no joke. No. Yeah, and then in the B plot, we've got a uh, Quark talking O'Brien out of kayaking to protect his golden shoulder, uh, and this golden shoulder has given O'Brien forty-seven uh, straight uh, dart victories. So just in case the uh, the listeners are wondering, yes, the B-plot of the story is a dart tournament with O'Brien. I wouldn't say it's a tournament. I would just say it's <laughs> O'Brien dominating in a series of dart matches. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's not a t- yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, okay, sorry. 
a tournament would have been interesting. A, it's just O'Brien winning at darts a lot. <laughs> so on the one hand, Matt is complaining about all the darts in season three. On the other hand, your dream is like to bracket it out. Like, oh, yeah. in this match, O'Brien takes on Jake, but Bashir takes on Cisco. Yeah, like what if you got like, yeah, see, they could have done a tournament and had like random ass characters show up like Q or something and be like, your next opponent is, uh, you know, Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> hey man, if that's what it, if that's what it took to get Vash back on the show, I would take that. See, that, that would have been cool. They could have done that, but no. Nah. But, I mean, I think the main character of DS9 Season 3, Bob, really is this fucking dartboard. Yeah, they, they do really like the dartboard. It is, yeah, it is kind of interesting. Like, I do think of darts as being, like, a pretty common part of the show. But, yeah, you, you don't remember until you watch it that, man, this really shows up in Season 3. Like, that's its time. I mean, even in the episode we covered last week, there was a whole subplot where... Uh, Bashir and O'Brien are trying to break into Quarks to get the mm-hmm. dartboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. I mean, you know, if you got nothing else for Bashir and uh, O'Brien to do, it's a good subplot, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. So you know, we could compare this episode to Long Twilight Struggle, I guess, because both are pretty politically important. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just pretty boring. Um, it does have an awful lot of uh, cool character actors, though. So in, in lieu of like in-depth discussing the Bajoran Civil War, such as it was, I guess we can mostly just talk about who the uh, who who some of the character actors who show up in uh, in Shakar are. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that, Bob, because when Kai went started talking about stolen farm equipment, I knew we were in for edge of your seat trick. <laughs> All right. So the eponymous character, the titular character, Shakar, uh, he's played by uh, Duncan Rehor. Um, do you uh, recognize him from anything, Matt? Uh, yeah, he was Zorro in the show we watched in the 90s. There was a live action show on the Family Channel, which I don't know. If you're, is the Family Channel even still around? That was a... I'm sure it merged into something, but I have no idea what. Yeah, the only thing I remember about that Zorro show, Bob, is that really awesome theme song, which I'm going to play right here. Where tyrants ride high and govern with fear As the forces of evil conspire Then from out of the night a hero must rise With courage that evil a mask won't disguise They turn to gonna get us a copyright strike hell no there's no copyright strike on that <laughs> so do you remember other family channel shows because you were i remember the name yeah. now that you said it but i didn't remember that but like what what else was on there seventh heaven that's what i was trying to talk about a minute ago and i couldn't get it out right oh, I, I wanted to say okay. i wanted to say seventh heaven we have a lot of the shows that we found out that like it was the family channel but then like the lead in the show was a child molester so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Dark stuff, dark yeah, stuff. Yeah, a lot of dark stuff. 
yeah it so apparently it was like a christian channel originally but eventually it got sold to fox and then it got sold to abc so now disney owns it and they call it freeform <laughs> uh, so i it, it does still exist um freeform. i i feel like i remember there being I feel like I was remembering before I found that Disney bought it. I, I thought I vaguely remembered maybe there was other kind of like Disney-ish shows on the Family Channel, but I, I I can't remember anything specifically. Yeah, I mean, I remember we had it on like Family Channel was on a lot at our house, but I don't remember what we were watching, which is weird. Maybe there's some kind of block, mental block on there. I don't know. I, I almost wanted to say like something like Gargoyles came on the Family Channel, but I don't think that's true. Yeah, so Duncan Rahor is um, uh, Zorro on the Family Channel, Zorro. Um, and then, uh, you, do you recognize him from anything in Star Trek, Matt? Uh, no. Uh, he is the uh, ghost who gave that uh, good ghost dick to Dr. Crusher in Next oh. Generation Season 7. Yep. The one like all the memes are about. Yep, yep. The the, the Scottish uh the Scottish dick ghost. Yes. The that Scottish. is Duncan Rayhor. Okay. Huh. Yeah, yeah. All right. And then um so we've got playing Furl, another one of Kira's comrades is a old character actor named William Lucking, who apparently just uh died uh late last year, R. I. P. Um you recognize him from anything? Nope, didn't know who that guy at all. All right, he's apparently the main antagonist in season one of the A-Team, which uh, I didn't remember. But uh, I, I recognized him as uh, a, being a geriatric biker on Sons of Anarchy, which is one of the worst shows I've ever watched. Yeah, I don't think I've ever watched an episode of that, and I don't really plan on it. It's so bad, man. It's so bad. Uh, it's like Hamlet, but with motorcycles, but stretched out to 93 damn episodes. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, but now my, uh, I will say this it, though: my, my brother has a board game. He doesn't uh -huh. watch Sons of Anarchy either, but he uh -huh. buys he buys he collects board games and he has like a billion board games. So he pulls this game out. I'm like, what the hell, Brent? I don't know what this is, but we played it. It's actually really fun. I I can't really go into too many too much detail about like what it is because it would take forever. But it's like you're in charge of your own biker gang and you have to like. I guess you have the different, like your minions and you put them out on the board to like go and like take over different areas. And it, it was kind of, it was kind of cool. I liked it. So if you ever see that board game, I mean, even if you know nothing about Sons of Anarchy, it's still a fantastic game. It could probably be turned into a really cool Batman game with villains. Hmm. So do they have like the Asian biker gang, the black biker gang, the Chicano biker gang? I think so. Yes. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how the show is. And the the show is like you would think it would be just like a big dumb biker show and it is, but it also has like really really intricate Byzantine plots that are really boring about like who's selling the drugs to who, who's selling the guns to who. Oh. It's like it's surprisingly complicated for such a stupid show. Like <laughs> not like in a good way, but it's just it's very baroque. So is William Lucking actually one of our men? No, no, he's not. Okay, I was just curious. I didn't know if that was something that made him evil in the A-Team or something. I don't know. Did he have like a bionic Nah, arm? he's like the head of like the military police in the in A-Team the that are chasing the A-Team. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, any, did you recognize uh, Diane Salinger, who's playing Lupaza, uh, Feral, or William Lucking's uh, wife in the show? Yeah, she was Simone on a 
she was Paul Rubin's love interest on Pee Wee's Big Adventure. You know, that's why that's uh, that's why in the in the opening scene of Batman Returns, Paul Rubens plays Penguin's father and she plays the mom because they're buddies with Tim Burton who made the, the Pee Wee's Big Adventure movie. Yeah, yeah. I actually never saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um I mean, you're but... not anything. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't afraid that I was. But yeah, so she plays the mom and of Penguin and Batman Returns in the opening. Yeah. And then uh, she's apparently a main cast member on the HBO show Carnival, which I've always meant to watch, but never have. Yeah, I've never seen that either. There's like a lot of TV I haven't watched, but I mean, I feel like I'm okay. It's one, that's one of those shows. I'm like, I'm okay. I haven't seen that. Not too many people talk about Carnival. Oh, people, <laughs> people who love Carnival, like. My friends Adam and JR love it, although it it only went like two seasons, and apparently the guy wanted it to go like six, you know? Yeah. And then uh, I really did enjoy O'Brien's uh, Vulcan dart opponent. He was very smarmy, uh, named Savar, and uh, he was played by Sherman Howard, who, uh, did you recognize him from anything? I didn't recognize him, uh, but after I looked up the name, uh, he was in the Superboy show. He played Lex Luthor. Yep, yep. That that is a forgotten early '90s, late '80s show that I. It was it was called Superboy because they were in uh, contention with the creators of Superman. I guess Jerry Siegel, Joe Shuster, one of those, those guys. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. So they they had to call it Superboy. I actually rewatched some of those episodes not too long ago on whatever DC's like they had that very short lived streaming platform. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that I they then folded into Hobo Max. Correct. Yes, and then I went and pulled tried to pull it up on on Hobo Max and uh, it's not there. So HBO Max, yeah. you, got, you got to get us those Superboy episodes. At the, initially Lois and Clark wasn't brought over to Hobo Max, but I think they eventually did. Although I don't know if it's still there. We have to see Gilbert Godfrey as a, uh, see toy man or at least toy man. Mr. Oh, okay. Interesting. Gilbert Godfrey, is he toy man in the early nineties or is he toy man in Lois and Clark? He's toy man in a, uh, in the Superboy show. Is he toy oh, wow. Man? He's either Toy Man or Prankster. I don't remember. Oh, okay. It might be Prankster. Wild. Oh, and I think, so, you know, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster sold Superman to DC under, like, really shady circumstances. Right. But the, cir- the, the circumstances in which they created Superboy, Young Superman, were a little different. So I think they had a better claim and i mean granted like siegel and siegel and schuster should have like owned superman and superboy outright it's ridiculous that they didn't right but uh they had a better like legal claim for superboy so i i i I might i I haven't looked up the history but i think the i think the show superboy was like the inciting thing for either siegel or schuster whichever of the superman co-creators was still alive at that point to sue DC, I think. And I think they, they got a, you know, eventually they got a settlement on Superman as well, but I think they got a settlement with Superboy earlier. And that's also why they created, um, you know, Connor Kent as the new Superboy around that same time. Yeah. Uh, I just looked it up to go back. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried actually played a character known as Nick Knack, who is, is, is it, it's Toy Man. I guess they couldn't get the Toy Oof. Man rights either. So. <laughs> I, I, I wonder what was up with the Toy Man rights. My God. 
All right. So one final character actor. Um, did you recognize the guy playing Colonel Lenaris, uh, the kind of leader of the Bajoran militia who a team like is hunting Kira Shakar and their other comrades? Uh, yeah, I did, he was on the wire. I did recognize him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's major Rawls on the wire in, in general, it's John Doman is the actor's name. He's one of the great asshole character actors of all time. He's not really being an asshole in, um, in this episode, but he's an amazing, uh, monologue where he's chewing out the protagonist and flipping him off with uh both both hands and he's like this one's for your eye mcnulty and this other <laughs> one's for your dick for as long as it takes me to get even <laughs> damn it's great it's great all right so in the, the final scene or the final couple scenes of this episode of ds9 Wynn makes the point that this is basically a military coup being formed. Okay. And yeah, I, yeah. I agree, Bob. It, it's a coup. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're running to the mountains of weapons. They're shooting at guys in uniforms. Then they're saying that, you know, Hey, uh, I'm going to run for office. And if you do, if you run, we're going to release all this information that you tried to, you know, take back these, this form equipment. Well, and also, like, Colonel Linares and Major Kira are explicitly saying that the Bajoran militia is going to support Shikara's candidacy, candidacy which it's like, uh, guys, the, the, the army shouldn't be getting involved in the elections. That, that, that's messed up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a military. Like, it's obviously a coup. And... But it's a good military coup because we, we like Kira and we hate Kai Wen. At least that's what the show wants us to think. Correct, yes. That is correct. All right, so that was the DS9 episode, Bob. Let's move on to Shadow Watch. I'm going to talk about the Shadow Ships for just a second. One of them is damaged, and then the other Shadow Ship like breaks into smaller little bitty pieces mm-hmm. to repair it. So they like mm-hmm. go over to the Shadow Ship and like connect, and at the very end of the scene, they combine. It's like some really weird tech. Like I don't know what's going on. Are they are they organic? Like is that part of what this is? I mean, my response is just going to say, do they remind you of uh, the ships of any other species we've seen? Yes, they remind me of Kasha's ship to some degree. Very, very astute. Very astute. I didn't notice that when I was watching. Yeah. I mean, I I noticed it like this time, but I didn't notice it. I didn't notice the similarity when I was watching the show. Well, I mean, because, well, well, it's mainly probably because we're analyzing it so closely. But like, I just remember Kasha's ship was very organic in the way it worked. And I'm seeing the same thing here. Like that ship, they knew the other one was about to like get destroyed, so it like kind of went in and repaired itself. It reminds me kind of like of like our own bodies, like how cells go in and you know, like repair things and yeah, you know, like sends out those messages. So it, it's it's weird technology, but that was the main thing with the shadow ships this time around. Uh, that was the first time. The way you think... described it, it uh, reminds me of the thing from the 1982 movie, The Thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think this is the first time too we've seen a shadow ship actually get damaged. I don't think there's. I think I think yeah, because they've pretty well dominated in all their other engagements. I think. Right. Okay, so then in Thirst Watch, Bob, uh, did Draw seem thirsty for Delin? He seemed real thirsty. He seemed to have that youthful vitality from the Great Machine. I mean, I guess maybe hanging out on that planet for so long is just kind of you know by himself or with Zothrus is just not enough. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought they had a thing going there for a minute, and then, but then also at the same time, I'm like, Sheridan and Lynn are so going to hook up at some point in the show. 
Yeah, when I was watching it for the first show, I I could feel it coming, Sheridan and Delenn hooking up, but I just really didn't want it to be true. Yeah, it, it's made pretty obvious early on if they do. Like, I, I don't know if they do or not, but I'm just kind of assuming at this point. They're already setting the, the stage for that. Yeah, I just... I, I just don't think their romance really adds anything to anything. Like I like both as a character, both as characters, but I just, there's the romance just, and, and the, and the comedic relief just add nothing for me. Yeah. So character of the week, Bob goes to Jakar, obviously. I mean, that's just a, dumb Oh yeah. I mean, how, how could you argue with that? How could you argue with it? There, there's no one else. And then episode of the week, Bob goes to long twilight struggle. I mean, uh, Matt, I, I really enjoyed Shakar. I don't know what uh, you're on about. <laughs> the only thing Shakar had going for it was that it was one of those like mid-transformation Cisco episodes. He's got the goatee and the hair. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you've, uh, you've given me crap before about treating uh, aesthetics as if there's an objective answer. But uh, here's your objective answer to it, Matt. Sometimes there are just objective answers. Jakar is the best character this week. The Long Twilight Struggle is the best episode. No yes. argument. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I agree with you on this. All right. So this has been Babylon 5 versus DS9, the galaxy's greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. We are a part of Uncanny Treks. I am Bob from Cascadia. That's Matt from the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.